You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Amen. The scripture that I want to focus on today is deep hidden in the Old Testament. You might not even know this book existed. Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. In Micah chapter 7, starting in verse 7, going into verse 8, says, Therefore I will look to the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me, praise God. And verse 8 says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy, for when, if I fall, I will arise, and when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. And in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is speaking these words, and you've heard this scripture before. You might not know of the book Micah, but you've probably heard of Jesus, and you've heard of the book of John. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The title of my sermon today is, Where There Is a Will, There Is a Way. Where there is a will, there is a way. Today, all you need is a will, and I guarantee you, He will make a way. All you need is a will, and He will make a way. Jesus makes a statement, I am the way. In the original text, that word way means a road, it means a progress, it means a journey. And we understand that Jesus is the only way to the Father. I know there are a lot of other things that are being spoken out there in the world that say all religions eventually lead to the Father. And in a way, that's true because you'll end up at the judgment seat of the Father. Well, I should say you'll end up at the judgment seat of God. But those who believe in Jesus, we end up at the throne of the Father. Praise God. That Jesus is the way. And on the way, it's a road or a journey. And on that road or journey that we're on right now, you can experience all of the new covenant blessings and promises. It also says that that word, a way, means a progress. That not only are we going on this journey, not only are we going on this path where we are experiencing the goodness of of God, there's also a progress that happens when we follow Jesus. I say it all the time, and I keep repeating it to you. Hopefully, it gets embedded in your head that the Scripture says that we go from faith to faith and glory to glory, that my progress with Jesus should not be me going back into the world. My progress should be going forward to where I have a new encounter, a new experience, a new time with Jesus everywhere I go. That God is speaking to me about some things in 2022. He's working on me about some things in 2022 So hopefully I can leave them behind in 2022, and 2023 will be the best year that I've ever had with Jesus. Tomorrow is going to be the best day that I've ever had with my Savior. Tomorrow is going to be the best day that you've ever had with God, because He's taking you from glory to glory. He's taking you on a journey. He's taking you somewhere. 
And where there's a will, there's a way. In Micah chapter 7, starting in verse 7, it says, Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. And my God will hear me. So the first truth that I want to pull out of Micah today is that I want to encourage you and remind you to have God willpower. To have God willpower. Today we need to make a choice that I will look and wait on God, and that God will hear my prayers. I'm going to choose today, and I hope you decide as well, that I'm going to look to God and not my situation. I'm going to wait for God to save me, and I'm not going to fix it on my own. So many times we sang the song about seeing the mountain and wanting it to move. So many times we see the situation in front of us, And we forget to look for God to show up in that situation. We get overwhelmed by that situation. We get overwhelmed by that emotion. We get overwhelmed by that feeling. We get overwhelmed by these things and we forget to look for God instead of looking at the situation. Micah 7 says, I will wait on the God of my salvation. In America, we've been taught to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to get our hands dirty, to go out there and get the job done. When something's coming against you, we got to go and get the job done. We've got to go on the attack. But don't do it on your own. Don't try and fix the problem on your own because you forgot to look for God in the situation. He says, I will wait for the God of my salvation, that I'm waiting on him. I'm looking for him in this situation. I'm waiting on him to show up and destroy the enemy. The last part of that scripture says that my God will hear me. That my God will hear me. And sometimes we forget in a situation, in a struggle, in a frustration to even pray to God. To even raise our voice We raise our voice about other things. We complain about other things. We get frustrated about other things. Well, I don't know why this isn't working, and I don't know why he or she is doing or not doing this. I don't understand what's going on. Sometimes we don't even voice or speak to God at all in a situation. Or we do pray, and we pray being like, well, I don't know if God hears me. I don't know if God cares. I don't know if God's going to show up. No, 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 no. We've got to have that God willpower. I'm going to look for God. I'm going to look for God in this situation. I'm going to see his hand moving. I'm going to see the miracle signs and wonders show up in this opportunity. And I'm going to believe that God hears my prayers. They're not just stuck at the ceiling. There's not an angel who's got my prayers and he got lost And I'm searching for the angel tracking. Did that prayer ever make it to God? Where is it at? I'm refreshing. I'm praying. I'm doing all these things. And I can't find the angel tracking number. No, no, no. When I pray, God hears me. In Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul is writing. And he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. 
So many times we've received him so long ago, and then we just kind of forget about it. We put him on the back burner. We'll pick him up when the worst of the worst happens. When we're right in the middle of the storm, then we'll remember. God is so gracious that he shows up and he helps anyway. But what if we walked with God on a daily basis? What if we talked to him on a daily basis? What if we heard him speak to us on a daily basis, either through his word or through the Holy Spirit inside of us? How much things would we avoid? How much things would we miss if, God, if we heard God's voice continually? He told us to go left instead of right, to do this, to do that. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Verse 7 says that rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, look at this, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. That we make a choice in our lives to have that God willpower to be thankful and to thank him for continually moving and speaking and showing up in our lives. In Philippians chapter 3, the reason why we're called what we're called here at Press Church, verses 13 and 14, in Philippians 3, 13, says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, verse 14, this is why we're called what we're called, if you didn't know that. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the prize. I press toward the goal. There's something that I'm moving for. There's something that I'm trying. There's a progress when Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. That I'm going on this journey I'm going on this adventure with God, and the reason that I'm going on that is because there is a prize, because there is a goal, and that's Jesus. The answer is always Jesus, the upward call. It's not a mediocre call. It's not a less than call. It's not, to, it's not that you're going backwards after you receive Jesus. That prize and that goal is an upward call. Come up higher. Come up here. I want to show you something. I want to teach you something. I want, to, I want to help you with something that you couldn't do on your own. The upward call. The goal is the prize. You see, my daughter has this unique trick in regards to getting her own prize when she wants it. If we leave anything on the counter, especially if it's sweet, my daughter will do whatever it takes to get to those sweets. She usually wakes up earlier than us, and she'll run throughout the house until she comes into the bedroom to wake us up. But there are times, more frequently than not, if we leave something on the counter, that I'll hear the little pitter-patter of feet throughout the house, and then after a couple of minutes, it'll be dead quiet. And both of us say, hey, you get up. She's, she's doing something. If we leave cookies on the counter, they're gone in the morning because she's going to go get that prize, that upward prize. She's going to push a chair to the counter. She's going to crawl on top of it. She's going to get there. If we leave cinnamon rolls on top of the counter, she's going to get to them. 
like a crackhead. She's going to find those cinnamon rolls. And my daughter is a bit of a psycho because she eats the entire cinnamon part off of the cinnamon roll, the icing part. Like a, like, a, like a mouse, she'll eat the entire top of the cinnamon roll, and then you'll just be left with like three or four garbage cinnamon rolls because she eats all the icing off of it. But my daughter knows and understands that there is a prize up there, and she'll do whatever it takes to get to that prize. That I want to encourage you today to have that god willpower in your life, to get to the upward prize, that my goal in life is to get to the cinnamon rolls of the new covenant and eat them all up, eat everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. I want all the cookies of the new covenant. I want all the sweets of it, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get there. Do I have to push a chair from the table? Do I have to crawl on top of the counter? Whatever I have to do, I'm looking for God in that situation. My daughter has no concept of danger. We were at uh, the Peaches yesterday in regards to uh, Noah's baseball and Teddy's baseball team. We were eating, and Eliza was just crawling up on top of the playground that they have there. And I'm just sitting there the entire time listening, talking with the parents. But I'm really not listening or paying attention to them because I'm watching my daughter as she's continually falling off the playground. I mean, she, and she would fall and like, you could ask them several times, I would make like a little, a little, oh, okay. And then I would watch her and then she would just stand up and she'd crawl back up there and fall down it again. No concept of it. Because I'll look to God in my situation. Whatever it takes for me to get to him. Whatever it takes, I'll let go of some things. I'll climb up some things. I'll wake up early and I'll come to church. I'll do this. Whatever it takes because I want to see God move. I want that prize. I want to experience. Because if there's a will, then he'll make the way. And I'm going to make the willpower and I'm going to have that to go and look for God in that situation. I'm going to wait for him to show up and be the God of my salvation. And I'm going to believe that he hears my prayers. Not only does it hear, but he responds. You've got to have God willpower. In Micah chapter 7, verse 8, we'll break down this scripture. The first part of verse 8 says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I fall, I will arise. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, the scripture says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Now, there's something interesting when it comes to studying the Bible, that there are so many types of symbols, there are so many types of different things that you can grow in regards to reading the Bible, not just reading words on a page or reading it, but you can study and you can dive deep into it. And one of the things that is interesting about reading and studying the Bible is the numbers that are listed in the Bible. 
And the number seven is a unique number and a special number that you'll see over and over and over throughout the Bible. And it is a special number attached to God because the number seven in regards to the Bible means completion and means perfection. We see throughout the Bible and creation, there were seven days. And on the seventh day, God rested and said, it is good. Perfection, completion. And you'll see throughout the scriptures, you'll see that number seven popping up. Whenever you see it, you understand that that means perfection. And it says here that though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up. No matter what you do in life, even if you sin, even if you stumble after you become a Christian, it's not the time to just fall by the wayside and say, well, I guess God hates me. I guess this is over. I guess I'll go back to Egypt. I guess I'll give up. I guess this is the end. No, 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 it says he rises again. How am I righteous? How am I, as it says seven times, how am I perfect and complete? It's in him. It's in Jesus. It's in the Savior who saved us and healed us and restored us. And because I'm in him, and we've talked about this time and time again, and because Jesus rose from the dead, therefore I can rise again. No matter how many times I fall, no matter how many times I falter, if I am in him, then he has given me the power to rise again. And I will rise again. But the wicked fall by calamity. Micah 7, 8 says, don't laugh at me, my enemy, because even if I fall, I'm going to rise again. It's time as Christians that we get a little bit more of a backbone. We start talking to the devil like the defeated joke that he is. Even people in this world who you would consider your enemies. Doesn't matter. Laugh all you want. I'm going to rise again. I'm not going to stay in this position. I'm not going to be the same person that you think I am. I'm not going to deal with the same thing that I've been dealing with. Go ahead and laugh. Go ahead and get it out now because I'm going to rise up and God's going to help me. God's going to show up. God's on my side. It says in the scriptures, if God is on your side, then what can any man do to you? In Psalms, it says, therefore, I will not fear. In 1 John 4, 4, we've probably heard this scripture before. You are of God, little children, praise God, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. Think about that. Think about that. This is not a, uh, the Holy Spirit is not a generational spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is, is one entity. And the same Holy Spirit that showed up all throughout the Bible is the same Holy Spirit that is in you right now. The same one that was inside Jesus in that tomb as it started to shake. The same one that started to defeat the enemy, defeat death, hell, and the grave, who called Lazarus out of the tomb, who healed the lepers. The same Holy Spirit is the same one that is in you right now. Somehow we think the Holy Spirit had babies or he died away and this is like the, the ninth iteration. 
on my computer, and we probably all have the same thing, or on your phone, there's an update. And you've got that little one on your phone that you can't ever get rid of. And somehow, some way, we think the Holy Spirit is like that. That the Holy Spirit that's inside of me is version 3.799624 that was in Jesus. It says the same Holy Spirit that was in him is in you. And that same Holy Spirit cast out demons. That same Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. And if he rose Jesus from the dead, he can raise you from your death. And the same authority that was in him that he was speaking is the same authority that you have when that enemy comes and attacks you. Laugh all you want. I might have fallen right now. I might be struggling right now. I might be walking through death, hell, and the grave. But it doesn't matter because your rod and your staff are with me, and I'm coming out on the other side. I will arise. I'm not going to stay down because greater is he that's in me than anything that's out there in the world. The same spirit is in you. In the 18th century, there was between 300 and 500,000 bald eagles that were flying around America, just singing the star-spangled banner as they flew around. But by the 1950s, there were only 412 mating pairs left. They went from almost 500,000 to 412. And there's different reasons why they were killed. Pesticides, their habitat was lost, people were shooting them, probably a big one, and pollution. So Congress passed a law that said you can't shoot bald eagles. You can't shoot America's bird. Making it illegal to shoot them. And in 1967, there was... 412 in the 50s, in 1967, they decided to add the bald eagle to the endangered species list. So after they passed this law saying you can't shoot them, they added them to the endangered list. They started building them back up. And as of 2021, there are now over 315,000 bald eagles in the wild flying around. that they thought that they were dead and gone. The bald eagles had a great rise, almost 500,000 of them, and they fell by the wayside to almost 400, barely 400 left. And now, through the hand of protection on them, there's over 315,000 that are in. You see, God didn't pass a law. God actually overthrew a law. To protect you and me. You were dead. You were on the endangered list. Scripture says you were an enemy, foreigner, stranger, not a friend of God. And then he decided that he was going to make his son a curse. So that the law didn't have to be made. The law had to be broken. So that those who had fallen by the wayside because of Adam and Eve's sin would rise again and come back stronger than they ever have before. Although I fall, I will rise. I will look 
to God in my situation. I will believe and listen for him to show up and show out in my life. And even if I fall, even if I stumble, I'm getting back up because of the Holy Spirit. And the last part that we have in verse 8, Micah chapter 7 verse 8 says, When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. The last truth we have, his light will shine. His light will shine. In John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, John is writing and he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In verse 5, it says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Another word for that uh, in the original text is overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. No matter how much it tried, no matter how much it tried to envelop the light, it could not understand it, and it could not overcome it. And that light, says, is in you, the life of men. In Psalms 27, verse 1, David writes, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom I shall be afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And the last scripture I have to show is John chapter 8. Jesus just sums it up. He just goes ahead and ends the battle between light and darkness. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Shall not walk in darkness. But what about my situation? What about this? What about that? Yeah, there might be darkness around you, but you are light. And everywhere you go, it says that light must flee. I mean, darkness must flee. That the darkness can't comprehend it. It can't understand it. His light's going to shine in my life. So even if I walk into a dark situation, I change it because of the light that I'm carrying in my life. Even if I sit in darkness, his light is going to shine around me, and it's going to illuminate me. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I might not know where to go, but he knows where to go, so therefore I'm going to follow his word. And his word might sound crazy. It might sound weird. It might sound something like I'll never do, like go dip in the river seven times and you'll be healed. There's another seven right there. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He is my light. He is my salvation. I'm not going to be fearful of the darkness that's trying to attack me. I'm not going to be fearful of the world. Keep talking about it being the end times. How we keep getting closer and closer to the stories and the days of revelation. And it's always preached as this negative thing. Yeah, there's a lot of negative things that are happening and going on, but not to me, not to you, not to a son and daughter of the Most High God. I am going to shine the light everywhere I go. When Noah was born, or in the process of being born, how amazing my wife and mother of my children is, we decided, she decided, I say we because we're married, but I said I take no credit for anything in regards to her having this baby. 
that she wanted to have it naturally, and we were going to have it with a midwife in some house off the interstate. I was a little weirded out by it, but I trusted her and wanted to follow her well wishes. So we went to this house after we stayed in my, our apartment. She was in labor for years, it felt like. How long was your total labor? A couple days. So, you know, that's fun. Um, and eventually there came a point to where she had gone too long. I mean, what, 24 hours after your water breaks, you're supposed to go to the doctor and get the baby out. So we had to go to the hospital. We drove to the hospital. It wasn't the plan that we had. It wasn't the way that we were expecting to have this baby. We had, pl- we had prayed. We had believed. We had asked God for certain things. And in all reality, we didn't feel like we had seen the answer to those prayers. And now, feeling defeated, I'm driving my wife to the emergency room to go and have this baby. And it wasn't what we wanted. It wasn't what we planned. I was tired. She was exhausted. And we get to the emergency room. They bring us in. We go into the room. And for the last two or three days, it had just been me and my wife. Everywhere we had gone. Our midwife wasn't the best midwife. Uh, She hung out in a room by herself uh, pretty much the whole time um, and shared recipes with her friends while me and my wife tried to have this baby. Neither here nor there. God bless her wherever she is. Hopefully she's not doing that job anymore. And we get to the hospital, we get to the room, and all of a sudden there's like 50 nurses and doctors in this room. And they're doing all this stuff. They're hooking Maddie up to all these things. And there was points during this labor where I'm holding her and we're walking around this house going up and down stairs and she's having contractions and she's holding on to me. And all of a sudden there's this disconnect to where they say, hey, you, you're worthless now. Go sit on that sofa and we'll take care of her. And I'm, baby. And the doctors are coming in. And the more they come in, the quieter they're getting. And the quieter they're getting and the more they're coming in, the more scrubs and the more surgery things they're putting on. A nurse walks in, walks out, then she walks back in and she has little booties covering her shoes. And me being Sherlock Holmes start piecing things together as they're whispering to each other. And then the nurse comes back in and she has a little cap on. Then she comes back in and she has a little mask on. And she has a little thing on. And I'm going, okay, this is not. And so they're all kind of talking and huddled in a corner. And I finally stand up. And I said, well, somebody tell me what is going on with my wife and my baby. And they all whipped around, forgetting that I was there. Like, who let this guy in? Why are you even here? And they said, your wife is fine. Your son is fine. But there are some concerns. Son is fine, but there are some concerns. Don't equal the same thing. I know I have math from Louisiana, but those don't equal each other. I said, what's wrong? And they said, well, he's having some problems breathing. And it's uh, different things that are happening when she contracts. He, it's supposed to happen this way, but it's not, and this and that. And I said, okay. And then finally somebody walks in and says, we have to go do a C-section, and we have to do an emergency one right now, and we have to get the baby out. I said, wait a second. Time out. Y'all just said this was fine. Everything was good. Little breathing problem. And it wasn't what we thought. It was the darkest time of this pregnancy. And I remember I crawled into the bed as they were trying to wheel her out. 
I jumped in the bed with her and I grabbed her face. I said, baby, I'm sorry that this didn't work out the way that we thought it would. But right now it's you being healthy and this baby being healthy. This is what we need to happen. And they wheeled her out and all the nurses, the 50 nurses that were in there, wheeled it out and I just stood in this empty room. They forgot about me, I guess, I don't know. And it's quiet all of a sudden. I'm away from my wife, my son's mother. I said, God, what, what's happening? What's going on? This is not what we pray. This is not what we believe. This is, this is, and my mind starts racing to the worst things that can happen. Am I going to see my wife? What are they doing? And finally, some nurse comes running in, throws stuff at me, and she says, come to the room now. We're doing the C-section. And I'm trying to call my parents and my in-laws and my pastor, and I'm like, y'all need to get back up here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. And she's like, put your booties on, and, and, and I'm putting the, the scrub things on, and I walk in there, and they're already starting to cut on her. The baby comes out, and they bring the baby, and they put the baby in the little incubator thing, and they're suctioning all the stuff out. And I'm right next to Maddie by her head talking to her, and the nurse comes and says, do you want to go see your child? And I said, no, you bring the baby to us. I said, I'm not leaving her. You bring the baby. And Maddie said, go, go check on him. Just go look at him and see. And I'm like, I don't want to leave you. I've already left you enough. I don't want to leave you. She said, go check the baby. So I walk over to where there's these two nurses, and I walk over there, and I kind of look at this creature. And I'm like, ah, okay, yep, that's a baby. And these nurses are doing all kind of stuff. And one of the nurses is talking to me, but there's so much muddled noises. And she says, you can touch the baby. And I looked at her. I said, what? She said, that's your baby. You can touch it. Are you sure? So I do like the little E.T. thing. And, I'm... and I hear this nurse talking to me. And she's calling me by name. As I'm trying to talk to my baby, she says, Jeremiah, it's me. I said, what? I said, who are you? I mean, everybody, you're just covered head to toe in all kind of stuff. You can't tell who it is. She said, Jeremiah, I don't remember her name anymore. That's terrible. Uh, God bless her. She said, it's me. I said, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm so delirious at this point. And it was a nurse who went to our church. And she traveled to three different hospitals in Dallas. And it just so happened that she was in the one in McKinney the day that my son was born. And she's talking to me. And she says, you know, she said, I saw you and your, name, and your wife's name on the board when you came in. And I was watching the stats of your baby. And I knew where this was going. And she says, I've been in this operating room for the last hour praying over this room. For when your wife came in here. And I said, and she said, I've been praying and believing that it was going to be a healthy baby. I know this isn't what you wanted, but I've been in this room praying that everything would work out. And I just grabbed her and hugged her because it was the first time that whole 24, 48 hour period where there was somebody who was on our side working for us. If we had now have a healthy baby and healthy baby girl. 
but I was sitting in darkness. We were sitting in darkness in that moment, but his light was shining. God was already working and moving, and he moved this nurse who was usually at three different hospitals. She just happened by some circumstance of God's beautiful miracle to be in that hospital that day and then see our names, and then she stood in that same room praying for us for that baby to come out healthy and Maddie to be healthy. His light will always shine. doesn't matter what room, how dark you're in. God is working and moving for his light to shine in your area. If you have a will, then he'll make a way. Have God willpower. Make the decision today that you will arise. You're not going to stay falling down and let your enemies laugh over you. You're going to arise and make the decision to let his light shine. The last scripture I have, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For you were once in darkness, but now, right now in this moment, you might have come in thinking that you were surrounded by darkness, but right now, by the name of Jesus, you are in the light of the Lord. So therefore, walk as children of light. In verse 14 says that, Therefore, Jesus says, Awake now, those who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you Light. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out today. I want to encourage you today to walk as children of light. I don't know what darkness is surrounding you right now, but as your pastor and having the authority in the name of Jesus, I speak light into that situation. I speak that you arise from that situation. You are not going to fall by the wayside of that situation anymore. That sin no longer has control over you. That sickness has no longer has control over you. Arise from that in Jesus' name. Come out of that darkness and walk as children of the light. Look for God in your situation. Look for him and wait for him to be the God of your salvation today. If you make a will, he's going to make a way. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your light. Father, you know the situations that these people are in. And Father, I thank you that you're causing them to arise out of the ashes, to arise out of the darkness. They no longer will stay in that darkness. They will no longer sit in that darkness. Your light will shine and give them the life that they need because you are the way. You are their truth and you are their life and you are their light. In Jesus' name, Father, speak to your people, help your people, comfort your people today. Father, I thank you that they are blessed and highly favored. Father, I thank you they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Father, I thank you they are the salt and light of the earth. They are a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. Now, Father, I ask you to bless them, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do. And, Father, bless the mothers. Give them rest and let these children obey and leave them alone today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.